Welcome to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered with Perry Clark. This program looks at mental health from unique perspectives and shows you how to manage your life by finding the knots that help you and stay away from the ones that could be a disadvantage. Now, here is your host, Perry Clark. Hello, all. Welcome back to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. Now, unlike most of some of our other episodes, I need to start and give you a content warning. Our discussion today is very much going to deal with the subject of death and especially child loss, uh, as well as the risks to mothers, too, who may be potentially at risk as well. So if this is not a subject you're ready to deal with today, completely understand. Please come back and check some of our other content out. But today we're going to be definitely talking about the aspect of death, child loss, and some probably heavy choices that have to be made. That also being said, I want to remind you that this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Please seek out a therapist in your area to work on your unique issues. So even with that sort of grim uh, introduction there, I also, it's a time of joy as we get a returning guest who's here with some new work that they want to share with us. And for those of you who have listened to our previous discussion, we're here to talk about, talk with Yuvelka Madrina, a native of New York and deep Dominican roots, passionate serving communities in Brooklyn, upstate New York's Hudson Valley and the Poconos Mountains of Pennsylvania. Uh, as a dedicated brain spotting, brain spotting practitioner and a trauma-informed, full-spectrum, holistic, certified birth and death doula, she brings a wealth of experiences to her adv- advocacy work. Uh, grief Soul Work represents a powerful movement with a core m- mission to raise awareness and provide education on the vital importance of utilizing trauma-informed language when navigating the realms of compassionate care for bereaving families and anyone grieving. With 30 years of experience in grief work and assisting stay-at-home moms in launching their own business, Yvelka is a pillar of support for families. She's a mother of four and has a passion for all aspects of childbirth, babies, and the celebration of life which shines through her work. She's happily married and continues to make profound impact on the lives she touches. Welcome back, Yvelka. Thank you so much, Perry, for having me. I'm excited to be here with you again. <laughs> well, I'm glad we can be here to, uh, together again. So uh, you've been busy with some new stuff, and I'm kind of curious what brought you here to this new stuff that you brought you're here to talk about with us, which is very much on this heavy subject. It is a heavy subject, but you know, Perry, it's like the the Rebel Alliance's relentless fight. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is this is what it is. It's just on a I'm I'm bringing to the table uh, a new tool, a a new method, something different to try. You know, bringing a book mm-hmm. onto the table to share some more information on this stillbirth experience is almost as to say, although you may not fully be able or are walking in someone else's shoes, try them on for a moment so you could understand mm-hmm. the experience. Mm-hmm. And that is very much one of those subjects which, and as I think we mentioned in our last episode, isn't just women, it's the entire family as well. So there's men who are also dealing with what it means for this stillbirth and men who don't really have an understanding about what that means either. 
Right. We have the men, uh, the non-gestational persons, you know, mm. we call them uh, the silent warriors. Oftentimes mm. in this experience, all the attention goes to mom or the birthing mm-hmm. person, you know, and mm. all, you know, that's, that's where it stays. But we know that it has a far reaching arm, not only mm-hmm. to the immediate mom or birthing person, but to the family, the community, and also whether they're to blame or not, the healthcare, the medical mm-hmm. providers. Mm-hmm. So where would you like to begin in our talk today? Well, today I would like to share, um, as we're recording this, it mm-hmm. is National Stillbirth Prevention Day. And it's pretty huge in in our niche, in our circle, and for, for the movement. And we have ambassadors right now in D.C. pushing bills for Stillbirth Prevention Act, pushing Maternal Child Health and Stillbirth Prevention Act. And these two acts, they're very, very important. One is to get the information, to collect it, right? To properly be able to communicate it and share it. And then the other one is, can we get the funds Mm-hmm. to put out stillbirth prevention programs. So, I mean, that's where I would like to start. This is where my my head is today. And, and it's so important that we break the stigma and we break the silence. To so, then, so then let's start first and foremost. What is now your book title is Stillbirth Prevention Advocacy or Advocate. So what is the stigma? For, so everyone is understanding exactly what we're talking about. Well, the the first one, which is a huge one, is that it's a rare event. You mm-hmm. know, that stillbirth is a rare event. And, and and it really isn't. We have, you know, we say between 21 and 23, it's thousands. 23,000 mm-hmm. families a year, thousands of families that are affected. And this is a loss of a baby before birth, you know, after typically around 20 weeks of pregnancy, 40 plus in that realm. So we're not talking early stage uh, miscarriages. We're talking as the fetus is nearing the finishing of its gestation period. Yes, absolutely. Um, The the heartache and the heartbreak, you know, you're going, you're in the final, right? The final race, almost done. Mm -hmm. and, And it could happen at any time, you know, right at birth. Or right before. And and it's just, you know, t- the way that I explain it when, when I'm speaking with friends and family is it's the loss of a baby, but it's also a death. You know, you're going in, you probably already had the baby shower. Mm-hmm. You already sent out the invitations, got the first clothing to come home, probably got the car seat. It's in this stage. So we're dealing with different types, as we both know, of trauma. We have that the hormones that are going from pregnancy, which already mm-hmm. alters and changes the system and the body. And then we're going into grief. Mm-hmm. Those are both emotions at the same time and also the hormonal components of that. Mm. And so what is the stigma that gets most often associated with that for those who in recognizing these situations don't make the connection between the two? Well, the stigma, there's a, 
The other one that gets me is that, you know, that there was something that the mom or the per- birthing person did or didn't do to mm. have this happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or what some might call that this is God's will or the universe's will that, but to believe that it's easier to believe that the mom or the birthing person or hospital did something wrong to cause this. And there hasn't been like trauma, like being in a car accident or anything like that. Well, the way that it hits the, the, the body, you know, especially mm-hmm. when I speak with the representatives in the advocacy and being an, an, an ambassador as well, you know, I do, I bring in brain spotting and I mm-hmm. do let them know this is, this is a layered traumatic situation. Mm-hmm. They can't even, as, as soon as the news or the experience touches that system or that brain, that body, they're not thinking. They don't even know what's going on. And then if they don't have the proper supports, mm-hmm. which is the next phase and why the book is so important, you know, how how would they even have access to heal without those mm-hmm. proper supports, without the, you mm-hmm. know, the proper space being held? Mm-hmm. And I just want to be clear, when we're talking about the stigma, we're talking about the stigma that people who are not going through this experience with this stillbirth are having and their judgments about what's causing the situation. Yeah. And how about the, the big one, the big one that we overlook that has a lot to do with black maternal mortality is the systemic racism, you know, Mm -hmm. the system, the, the way that it's built and why, and what is still happening. We have stillbirth occurring today and the numbers have not changed in, in in 30 years. As long as I've been here, I was about to say 50 mm. because I'm going to be 50. But mm-hmm. in 30 years, that's as long as I've been doing death work, grief work. And the, and the rates have not gone down. Mm. That so is significant. our voices. That, yeah. And that's, yeah, that's significant. There has not been as significant enough change in 30 years. Which comes back to also, first and foremost, we need to understand, we need to define for at least this purpose is what the stigma is. And now let's talk a bit more about what does it mean to break the stigma, which means including an understanding about trauma. Yes, um, the trauma-informed language is very important. We need to... Let's define a little just for our first-time listeners. What is trauma-informed language? Trauma-informed language is being mindful and attuned to the situation and your client and what they may be experiencing from what you observe and also from what you are hearing and witnessing from that person. And to move accordingly so as you do not cause further harm or trauma to the individual, the family, or anyone else in that space. Gotcha. So please continue from there. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it's very emotionally triggered, the situation. Mm-hmm. So um, what thrusted me into this particular part of grief work, you know, when it comes to pregnancy and infant loss with stillbirth, is witnessing another birth worker in a hospital experiencing breaking down as the family experienced 
a silver. She went right into her emotions, started attacking even the healthcare professionals because she herself was triggered. Mm-hmm. And in there, in that instant, I was like, oh my goodness, we need more communication and we need more education. And how much do I know? Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I put myself in that, you know, what would I have done? Would I have been taken aback? Like, oh my goodness. Of course. So in there, I started doing my own studies, my own research. How do I speak? How would I support? Do I have my own triggers and emotions in check? It's important. Yes, anyone can be a companion with you, right? We can mm-hmm. say, "Hey, come with. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna give birth. I'm having a baby. Come along with me." You know, you grab your sister, mm-hmm. you grab your aunt, you grab a brother, and you ask them to come along. Excuse me, sorry about that. And ask them to come along with you. Mm-hmm. But what happens if what you are expecting to happen doesn't happen, doesn't. and you're expecting a birth? And it turns left and it's a death. Is that person now capable to help so, you? To support or, that, yeah. Right. And they help you the best that they can. Because it's better than zero. So it's important for that education to get out. What does it take to be a stillbirth prevention advocate? Education, mm-hmm. compassion, you know, collaborating with organizations with professionals in that field, you know, having a commitment, empathy, Hmm. all of those make a significant difference in the, in the lives of the folks that you aim to support, especially in stillbirth. And especially if you find yourself not being one of the ones that's prepared or you're there expecting to deal with the joy, you're now find yourself compelled to have to deal with death. Which is one of the things that's often not not often considered with the with a procedure of this nature is that death is also in the room, not just life. Right. When when I'm when I'm in a space, I see life fighting. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily see death. I see life fighting to be, mm-hmm. and there are different situations, and every experience is individual every experience is unique they had there might be some similarities but when we think about the stillbirth experience and putting ourselves in the family's shoes there is mm-hmm. only one of two ways the baby's going to be delivered there's only one or two ways and then depending on when the occurrence happened if it was before the due date and you have this family going through the process of knowing mm-hmm. that there is no heartbeat. And now they're in the process of deciding how are we going to deliver and what what arrangements are we going to have afterwards? Right. And who's there to help them and guide them? Which again is a massive difference from the idea that you're preparing the baby shower, you're getting all of these things ready and instead you're now doing this of preparing a funeral and how much the sort of dissociation the cognitive dissonance that comes with the task that's going on yeah there's a lot of things that would be shut down 
to try and be able to deal with it, let alone just getting lost in that grief. So the number of people who are going to be aware of what's going on, especially with trauma-informed language, that's going to drop significantly, let alone what does that grief open up inside them? So there's a lot of places where all of that's going on, and it's very easy for stigma to to slip in. Yes, and we're talking about the full spectrum of family. Mm -hmm. We're talking about mother, birthing person, gestational person, non-gestational persons, fathers. We've been talking about surrogates. Mm -hmm. We're talking about all other types of families that come together in whatever ways they choose to identify and how silver Mm -hmm. affects them as well. Mm -hmm. Because there's a a chapter that I included in the book that talks about um, how to support the grandparents and the siblings. Mm -hmm. Another another, uh, space that's forgotten in a sense. That's oh, not, yeah. you know, brought up to the forefront. You know, you're you're expected to come home with baby. And then you've been telling a smaller child or, you know, there's going to be a big brother and big sister one day all about, you know, the baby's coming. The baby. mm-hmm. Now, what does that conversation look like mm-hmm. for their mental well-being and, mm-hmm. right. and, and the grandparents? Right. And the aspect of, especially if this was, say, the first grandchild, too. What's going on? So there's so many different other people who are interconnected to this birth that beyond just the immediate parents. Mm -hmm. And how about the big one? The big forgotten. Does anybody go back to think about the caring medical professionals? How did, did mm-hmm. it affect that OBGYN and those nurses? Mm-hmm. Were they triggered? Had they had had a loss? It, it's so, so multi-layered here. Well, and especially the aspect, and this was something that was going on with another client of mine, um, their significant other worked in the medical field and was basically saying to, was trying to understand, was not being very compassionate as they had dealt with a loss of an elder family member and saying it's like why aren't you just over this i deal with death all the time and we had to sit there and talk about the aspect of yeah you're they're dealing with the death of their patient who's only maybe a small amount of their time versus this person who you have a history with but that still doesn't mean that they're not not being affected by this death and this is where we get into secondary trauma Right. They feel it somatically, right? Exactly, exactly. And um, what what does that self care look like? Mm-hmm. You know, what do you do to take care of yourself? And what and does the family? Because some sometimes this breaks up families. Sometimes mm-hmm. this breaks up communities. Mm-hmm. Well, and we also have. Oh no, sorry. Uh, just because, especially one of the most common things I could keep asking whenever I talk with somebody else who's in the medical profession, and they've come to me for dealing with any variety of issues, is was there any training for them around compassion fatigue, vicarious trauma, around the idea of them doing self care? And it's often the answer no. Often not. Oftentimes it's not. 
you know, you think of, you know, um, I have asked in presentations, you know, what is your definition of self-care? Mm -hmm. And, oh, I go shopping, I paint my nails. And for me, self-care is care with intention. Like mm -hmm. I need to have an herbal bath after a heavy session, you know, or mm -hmm. after having, you know, um, connecting and attuning mm -hmm. to a client that has had a loss. I need to be able to decompress you know, and journal for a little while and just listen to, you know, frequency music or, you know, rub some oils mm -hmm. that just elevate my senses. I need to bring my whole system out of that zone for a moment and then come back into my home. Mm -hmm. Which is sort of really also brings up another aspect of what we're dealing with, especially following the pandemic in the fan point that it is still easier for people to process if it's bleeding, if it's in, if there's a broken bone, it's much easier to see than what these emotional components that are coming up and all these emotional connections that are tied to this birth or stillbirth. Right. The invisible trauma, like the invisible mm -hmm. disabilities, you know, mm -hmm. the, what you cannot see. Mm hmm. So what inspired you to become an advocate for stillbirth prevention? Well, like I mentioned earlier, it was the witnessing mm -hmm. of a fellow professional in the space and putting myself in check, mm -hmm. you know, because uh, everyone says, oh, you know, do not judge. But to some extent, being human, we do. We yeah. analyze, we, we, we make, you know, assessments. Mm -hmm. And then we also should. I know that mm -hmm. I do. I bring it back to me. Mm -hmm. Because if I'm talking about, you know, your eyebrows are not on fleek, I better check mine. Mm -hmm. I better make mm -hmm. sure that I'm that I'm okay. The same thing with the services that I provide or the mm -hmm. education, the educational materials that I'm sharing. Am I up to date with uh my volunteerism? You know, am I up to date with what the fellow nonprofits are doing, like count the kicks and push for empowered pregnancy or, you know, um, two degrees. I, am I, am I up to date with them? The preeclampsia foundation, there's so many, you know, mm -hmm. there's so many ways to get involved and everyone needs help in different ways. And when we're, when we're raising awareness, it only takes under three minutes for a call to action. You know, just make a phone call. It's a 50-50. You might get a person, but usually you get a recording. Boom. Mm -hmm. Name, state, you know, information. And, and, and what's your message right. for your representative? Under right. three minutes, you can help elevate our voices. So I know in past we've had some talks about what's it been like for you going into some of these representative offices. Could you say more about the, that experience? Because that's also a big place where our both lack of emotion and need for more languaging understanding I'm, from our conversation seems to fall flat or not necessarily what the thing is to put that put them into office. I mean, you have a mix, right? Because it's just like us. We, we say life keeps us busy or we're overworked, right? Even if it's passionate work and the same thing goes for them. However, 
in that space to me and my personal experience, you have warm pockets and you have cold pockets. And for mm-hmm. certain representatives, you might have to wait on a particular line or, you know, for your turn mm. to speak. And you have about, if they give you three minutes, mm-hmm. that's how much time you have to talk unless you're going like on a day today mm-hmm. where they're all in DC you go in with your pack of advocates and ambassadors and you have a few more minutes of their time to truly make an impact on your cause. You can be there in person, virtually, make your phone calls, reach out to your communities, talk to your local representatives. There is just so much that can be done when it comes to the politics and pushing bills and making them into law and just supporting the cause. Your voice, your signature, your phone call, all of that counts. That's an individual fingerprint blueprint. That's across the board. Mm-hmm. And when we go in with documents and we say, you know what? We have a Google form and it has over 250 signatures. Mm-hmm. That matters. Even if it has 25 signatures, it matters. Even if it has five, it all matters. Yeah. But what about the, shall we say, more human story with these representatives? Because I mean, we can always give the facts, figures, and numbers, but to have them really support and begin to understand what's going on, this and is that has been amazing. Connecting with human, connecting yes. With that and and, th- and then we go to the warm pockets. Mm-hmm. This is the warm pockets of the advocacy. When you do come across representatives that say, you know what especially male representatives that can Mm -hmm. say to you, you know what? My wife experienced a stillbirth. I definitely understand Mm -hmm. that experience. And you know what? You can sign me up on board. You know, I'm I'm here to help. It's, it's amazing. Those wins. But you know, know, it's it's interesting. You said, so said there is that my wife experienced the stillbirth, not we or I, experience the stillbirth that comes after a conversation that Mm. comes after a conversation and once again because the attention goes to the right to the to the person Mm -hmm. and the place ground zero of most impact Mm -hmm. which is the mother and then hopefully we go around the perimeter and check in right everyone else Mm -hmm. but sometimes those are our silent warriors which is also that aspect of trying to raise that awareness, not just for them to act, but to know that they're that they can also be supportive of this. Absolutely. That's why we have fathers and dads and non-gestational persons that are advocates. Their mm-hmm. voices, they're being raised. They, it's it's necessary. It takes all of us as a collective. It takes all of us to speak on this and to share the stories, share the experiences. It's important. And how do you go about doing that from, you know, your home? Or let's say you are busy in your own life and all you have is a few minutes. There are so many ways. And we we haven't even touched upon um, when we speak of this space, that Mm -hmm. there's birth at home and that there's birth in the hospital. And that they're two different experiences that also need education around that. You know, so when this happens at home, depending on what state you in, the proper mm. protocols, 
mm-hmm. that needs to be in place as the midwife being the medical provider and the doula being the non-medical provider. So there's a lot of education that needs to be touched upon on top so, of the numbers and the rates uh, and the biological factors. So why don't we touch a bit about that in the second half, because I think this is a perfect place for us to take a break. So I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist here with Yuvelka Madrina, licensed, but it's like, no, this is a full spectrum holistic death and birth doula. Here on Untying Knots. <laughs> oh, yeah, and Soul Sister there too. Uh, here on Untying Knots, Minds and Souls and Tethered. So stay tuned, folks. We'll be back more with this subject. Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Our lives and the world around us can get messy and frustrating. Untangle and Grow Counseling's focus is to untangle that mess and make sense of it so you have a good foundation to build and grow from. Visit us on the web at untangleandgrowcounseling.com. Perry Clark offers individual psychotherapy, couples and family therapy, and adolescence therapy from a variety of coping materials and resources. Visit untangleandgrowcounseling.com for more information. Are you ready to move to your next level? Listen for Empowering Women, Transforming Lives with host Rebecca Hall Greider. Each show will focus on a central topic with discussion, guests, and your questions being featured. Our show is perfect for women who feel a call in their heart to step out in a bigger, more powerful way in their life and just need some encouragement, inspiration, and practical steps to support them on their journey. Empowering Women, Transforming Lives can be heard live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel with a replay of the show Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. If you have a question or comment about our podcast, send an email to pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. That's pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. And now, back to the program. Hello, all. Welcome back to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist, here with Yavilka Madrina Magdalena who is a birth, full-spectrum birth, death, and doula. And we've been talking about their new book that is coming out that is on the subject of uh, stillbirth prevention and advocacy. And this has been a very dramatic and very deep subject, and we are talking about death and death of children and the particular risks that go to the mothers as well, but also we're recognizing the invisible connections that go to more than just the mother and the child. We're talking also about the family and how that brings up what we, what is known as secondary or vicarious trauma. 
because everybody is now dealing with the subject of grief. And to be frank, there is no place we can live in our world and not be touched by grief. Now, that said, uh, as we mentioned at the end of our uh, first segment, there can be differences that happen in the birthing process between an at-home birth and a hospital birth. Some might say having a home birth, uh, a um, hospital birth ensures that nothing can go wrong as opposed to all the things that can go wrong at a home birth. Or equally, that a home birth means that there's a lot more focus and not having to be shared with every other mother who's in that particular location to give birth or whatever else is going on in the hospital at the same time. So let's talk a bit about that. Yes, I mean... Absolutely. It's all about preference. However, mm-hmm. <laughs> when we are in touch with our roots, um, indigenous um, from Dominican roots, mm-hmm. uh, and it's uh, Hispanic Heritage Month, so I have to throw that out there. Mm-hmm. My Dominicanas in the house, my Latinas and <laughs> Hispanics. Um, we have to be mindful that when it's the space of home and birth, it's a it's a preference. But when you're digging down into your, your roots, the female-bodied being mm-hmm. is born to do this. We were birthing before hospitals even existed, and it wasn't on our backs as mm-hmm. they have us do this now in the hospitals. And we have to also be mindful that although there's a lot of stuff going on in the hospitals, it has its place. You know, they they do have life-saving protocols. Mm -hmm. So, and also being at home does not mean that you don't have the proper supports or protocols because you have amazing midwives. Mm -hmm. And from the beginning of time, it was midwives that were bringing in the new beings Mm -hmm. into this planet. Mm-hmm. So, so it's a it's a matter of it's a matter of preference. At the end of the day, it goes down to how is your health? How is your pregnancy? Do you self advocate? Have you done your research on your OB? Have mm-hmm. you done some research on the hospital, the birthing center, the midwife you choose? Have you done your research? What does mm-hmm. that look like? What questions you need to ask? Are there reports out there that you can find? Yep. You can say, I'm going to birth at ABC hospital, and then you can Mm -hmm. look up an XYZ report. There's so much information at your fingertips on the internet, and you can find out how many deaths occurred there. What's the maternal mortality rate? What's the infant morbidity rates there? So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's preference. Do you want to birth at home? Do you want to birth in the hospital? And what occurs in those spaces? And what contingency plans do you have? Which brings up a very interesting part. How many people are actually also spending that time taking a look at those facts and figures versus, again, getting caught up in just, you know, whether we need to paint the room a certain color or do we have making sure we've got the most hypoallergenic Absolutely. And there's a a great area in there too, Perry, because when you're dealing with the the birth space, you have doulas that are non-medical providers. However, Mm -hmm. I have also encountered nurses that are doulas and they do have medical backgrounds. 
Mm-hmm. So when someone says, can a doula do X, Y, Z, blood pressure, um, any exams, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the list can go on. It's a gray area because the traditional term for doula is a servant, mm-hmm. a helper. However, they are non-medical providers. We get mm-hmm. specialty trainings. Some might come in with medical knowledge, training, mm-hmm. licenses, and become doulas. So do your research. There's mm-hmm. different kinds of doulas. There's different kinds of supports in those two individual spaces. Because I'm going to tell you this. In some states, you cannot have a home birth. It's illegal. So it's best to do your research. Insurance needs to be involved. Uh Because usually when things go left, the first persons to get blamed is the the midwife and the the, something that they did that was wrong. Uh So do your research. And this is on both ends of that scope for the families that are growing their families and wanting to have a baby and they're going on this journey. And also for the Mm. professional on the other Mm -hmm. end. Mm -hmm. Which really just also becomes an aspect of what happened in those particular states where a home birth, what were the circumstances that created this? And I just say that for informational purposes, but just how much that, um, that emotionality might've also created. I mean, let's be frank, this is how things like, um, which burnings happened and all of that. And the idea <laughs> that something went wrong and somebody's in that grief, emotional, traumatic, trauma-informed mind state, and they're not thinking about what they're doing. They're not aware of the stuff that we're doing, which, and as we're briefly talking in the middle of the uh, break, because I know you're a Star Wars fan, it made me think about the Sith and just how much they are ruled by traumatic memories traumatic experiences not to mention what we saw in the first well in the i would say prequel star wars movie with the birth of luke and leia came out of trauma right right Part of what we had Anakin. maternal yeah maternal death right because yeah. yeah the injuries and the fact that it was part of that trauma and part of that that helped turn anakin to the dark side not to mention he was being manipulated by others, but still, that's other story parts of it. I mean, that, we can, we, yeah, we can, we can tear that, we can tear Star Wars apart with, <laughs> with a whole bunch of topics. But it's you know, yeah, emotion based darkness. Welcome mm-hmm. to the dark side. Um, See, I told you it wasn't that out of you a second time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's um, it's it's a real. I mean, it's a real serious issue. We're making a lot of movements, but everyone mm-hmm. is needed. And and when we can raise the level of understanding in communities, we la- we raise the levels for families. We need to advocate for all families. We need to advocate for the mom. And, and I wanted to say, and welcome to the mental health and social justice space, because mm-hmm. it's it's doggy dog, it's catty catty. You know, it's it's dark, but yeah, there's also wins. Mm-hmm. You know, and the light does shine. Yeah, because this isn't all just about the physical body. This is about the um, the mental body, the emo- 
the emotional body as well. And sometimes those can be different things. And sometimes they can be very closely tied to each other, which is one of those things which also I'm kind of curious, and I know we hit on this in the last time we spoke, but how has your use of brain spotting expanded since you learned about it to where you are now and making sure you're bringing that sort of awareness into this work and advocacy of this book as well? Harry, I have not stopped brain spotting since day one of my life in brain spotting world and training. Mm -hmm. And that is a blessing. Mm -hmm. And the beautiful, beautiful part of brain spotting is that you don't have to say a word. You know that uncertainty principle and the weight is huge in this space because mm -hmm. you don't want to re-traumatize, especially if they're tired of sharing their story. Mm -hmm. Some, you know, know that sharing the story helps others to understand that they're not alone. You're not the only one. And you know, of course, you know. Mm -hmm. I, in the, I had to speak about brain spotting in the book. I had to because that's the tool that I use. And it helps. It helps so much give them access to, you know, every time a birthday comes around. Here I have a birthday with empty arms and my child is not here. To, mm -hmm. yes, I, I started out that way. And now after a session, and I'm not saying a session in particular, but having brain spotting, I'm able to, you know, better honor and celebrate my child or have something going on with the family that's a healing memory. Mm -hmm. of something that was so devastating and still is for a lot of people. Every day that goes by, this is not something that they will ever forget. Mm -hmm. But what, what are other things that can be done to honor the memory and never forget a child mm -hmm. lost? Mm -hmm. And how is that also being received? Because as you mentioned that one of the, uh, bigger areas that we're having the mortality, this issue with too, is in populations of color. So how is brain spotting being received there, especially in this relation to this work as well? For me, if what I, what I see um, in the space that really is near and dear to my heart is the South Bronx, where I was born and bred in the South Bronx. And there's a lot of Spanish-speaking people in there. And for me, I do not see brain spotting in that space enough. So it's like tag, I'm it. And mm -hmm. with this movement, with this book, with this message, I'm hoping to bring more brain spotting into that session and just do a community service. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, you know, part of some of the pro bono work that I do throughout the year. And that was inspired by my mentor, you know, take some time out with this blessing that you receive and give back to the community. So that way they have access, because that's one of our biggest rank disparities is access. Give us that, you know, the inequities, give us access. And then also, can I afford it? Because, you know, brain spotting, it's it's pretty pricey. And what is their insurance plan? Is it accepted by insurance? You know, we can go down the list when it comes to that. I just right. want to be able to give access. All right. And that's one of the biggest changes in 
access for brain spotting, but also access for this care and understanding about stillbirths. So we should be starting to wrap up here. So where can people get the book so that they can start figuring out what they can do and how they can support? And where can people find resources so they can start connecting and joining in? Absolutely. Um, when it comes to the book, you can find the book on Amazon. It's in Kindle and you know, uh, also in print. Mm-hmm. It's currently being converted into audio. We also are going to have a second edition coming out because it was so well received. Mm-hmm. We have some more folks that want to put their powerful information in this book so it can be a powerhouse of a resource. Excellent. As far as uh Wanting to reach out to me, you have my details that you'll share with everyone. Um, mm-hmm. You can find me at my first name, Yuvelka, Y-U-V as in Victor, E-L-C-A dot com. But please reach out to support networks. You have Count the Kicks. You have Push for Empowered Pregnancy. You have Return to Zero. You have Measure the Placenta. You have um, Shine for Automac. There are so many support networks out there that you can find information to reach out and we're all interconnected. One can reach out to the other. So we'll have some of those links uh, in the in the show notes as well for people to find that. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Perry, for helping me raise awareness, especially on a day like today that we're doing this recording, because mm-hmm. today is National Stillbirth Prevention Day. And thank you so much. It's mm-hmm. so timely for what we're doing, you know, in Congress right now. And I appreciate you and your audience. Well, thank you. And thank you for being here. And I'm happy to share that information. And a reminder, not just to the mothers out there, I'm reminding all the men, and I speak very much to you, you are not an island in all of this. You experience this, you will do, you will experience grief as well. And this is something that, you're not alone in, and this is part of what makes you a man in actually speaking to it so that not just you heal, but your family heals. So stay tuned. We have more coming up for uh, all here on the podcast, and I wish you all well, and let us all heal. Thank you for tuning in for Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. Be sure to join your host, Perry Clark, for another episode on the podcast coming soon on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.